0: If green is your favorite color or your way of living, then Grounded is the place for you. From big environmental solutions to your own backyard, wherever in the universe you may be, join me, Melanie Walker, on a journey to a cleaner, greener life. Grounded, your window on the environment. And a very, very good day to you all. And yes, in this time of... I always think of that book love in the time of cholera in fact it's love in the time of coronavirus and when we talk about love we talk about the love of being outdoors the love of gardening and of course the love of flowers and that's one thing i think we've seen during the lockdown is people becoming a lot more aware of food security aware of being outside because well we can't really go and roam the streets so we're spending a lot more time at home but to help me unpack, to use one of those wonderful words, what's going on in the world, and especially when it comes to things like bulbs, because it is the season we should be planting. I have via remote, Charles Barnhorn from Hadeka Bulbs, and of course, my partner in crime most of the time, Michael Rickoff, uh, one of the best garden designers in the country at the moment. Good morning, gentlemen.
1: Good morning, Melanie. Good morning, Michael.
0: Morning, everyone. Morning, Charles. Nice to see you again online.
1: Great to see you as well.
0: Yeah, it's a a very strange world we live in, and none of us are called Jack, but I'm sure we we kind of relate to that. And I know that from business-wise, with all of us being locked down, fortunately now garden centers are allowed to open again, plants are allowed to be bought, seeds are allowed to be bought. And the one thing that we have at the moment, which I've always said, you know, we all know, May is the time to get your bulbs into the ground if you want a wonderful display come spring. Charles, how has this lockdown affected your company?
1: Melanie, it obviously came a, quite a bad time in terms that we were about to start shipping out um, all of our bulbs to the garden centers. Um, and we were prepped to do that. We had all of the stock ready to go. Obviously, sales over that very strict lockdown period completely stopped, which was tough. But fortunately, now that we're allowed to sell again, all the garden centers have stocked up, the, uh, the retailers have stocked up. Um, And planting time really is still for the next few weeks. You know, the the soil is cooling down nicely now, and it's still a very good opportunity, certainly for the next two weeks. Um, I've planted as late as end of June, early July in the past. So we're we're still in that nice window to plant. But I think probably we can make back a lot of those lost sales. Um, And I think people probably are supporting the garden centers and the the retailers really well, Um, which is important because they've all obviously had a, a disastrous March and April.
0: That is, I mean, absolutely hectic, but I'm I'm so glad that people can do this now. And I'm sure that you've been getting a lot more inquiries about things like um, selling potatoes and selling onions and selling garlic, (laughs) all the food (laughs) stuff.
1: Exactly. I mean, we have anyway been trying to push the food bulbs and tubers uh, the last few years anyway, but there is certainly a a renewed interest all of a sudden at the moment, um, which is super. I think you, you get much better value for money and better quality growing your own foods at home wherever
0: you can. I must say that I had an absolutely (laughs) the worst result ever from trying to grow potatoes so I'm not going to be doing that again in the near future (laughs) I have to be honest. Now Michael you've also been not able to teach because obviously you know the classroom was closed down and and gardening of course you need to be outdoors and teaching people how to grow things. Have you found that people have been also kind of changing their way of thinking about what they're planting? From
2: a teaching point of view I I must say that, that, that we have been able to carry on, but we've, we've kind of had to move into a whole new paradigm in the sense that, you know, everything, everything has become online and whatnot. And, and that takes away something, um, about gardening that we didn't realize we had is, is, is you have to be out there and you have to be up close and personal. Whilst we're on the theory bandwagon at the moment, we're struggling very much to get the whole practical side across. And I can't see this happening for this foreseeable future. So, so very much we are now we're getting called upon to actually help people visualize, if you know what I mean. Mm. You know, thank goodness for the garden centers because people can actually go out there and they can actually get stuff. I mean, they can get get busy in their gardens. You know, it's like with this whole exercise thing. A whole lot of people who never garden before are suddenly gardening. Um, and I, I, I've written a couple of blogs lately, and all of the blogs revolve around this whole plant parenting thing that's going on. Um And, and whether you like it or not, people are looking for reasons why they can grow plants in sort of weird and wonderful places like on balconies and stuff. So, so this is a definite change we are seeing.
0: Well, I mean, this is what, what we're doing here is we're actually going to try and teach people remotely as we're doing this whole conversation on how to, in fact, plant their bulbs and make sure that their bulbs are working for them without us being able to actually show them. So, Charles, I mean, we, we talk about the ground temperatures going down when it comes to planting um, bulbs at this time of the year what is the first thing that people should be aware of when they want to get plants into the ground?
1: If we just take a step back to the basics for a moment, Melanie, most bulbs have adapted to have an adverse season and an active season. So obviously the bulbs that we're talking about today are the winter bulbs or the spring flowering bulbs. And many of those are actually corms that come from the Western Cape that invariably come from, from winter rainfall uh, regions. So what that means is, that as the bulbs begin to become active it's actually the stimulus of cold temperatures triggering them to start and and even if the rainfall hasn't begun in their region um, they start to root and they start to sprout just obviously in order to um to to make the most out of their active season and then the rains come so what that means to your garden of course is that you need to get the winter bulbs into the ground when the soil is cool now, obviously, different bulbs need different soil temperatures. So tulips are perhaps the most extreme example. They come from the foothills of the Himalayas, and they expect probably about nine degrees soil temperatures in order to initiate. A lot of our other corms from the Western Cape, they only expect about 15 or 16 degrees average soil temperature. And and we're in that ballpark now. So what that means is plant now over the next few weeks, um, and that will get the rooting going on the bulbs. And of course, it's very important to follow it up with, with the water that they're expecting every few days. What really does help to maintain the soil temperature over the next few months, and especially to protect against too much heat in the afternoon, is a very good thick mulch of well-composted um, old compost over the top um, of, of the planting.
0: But how does it change between, say, Johannesburg and Cape Town, for instance? Because, I mean, we have completely different weather systems. I mean, it's very dry in Johannesburg, very cold. So hopefully, getting the winter rains down in the Cape, but we're all planting the same bulbs. How do the bulbs deal with that? That's something I've, I've never, like, kind of really got my head around.
1: Exactly. I mean, obviously, there's a few things to look at, like soil in your garden, but generally, in most parts of this country, we have well draining soil um, with, with pretty good nutrition in the soil. The temperatures in some parts of the country are obviously warmer than other parts at the moment. The, the fundamental thing to think about. If you are in a winter rainfall region, you won't need to water as much um, through the winter period. So it, provided the Cape does get some decent regular rainfall over the next few months, the bulbs should just do everything on their own. Quite naturally, they'll, they'll come to flower. But obviously on the high felt, where we don't have that winter rainfall uh, at all, um, you obviously do need to be watering in your garden probably as much as twice a week. Certainly if, if the bulbs are in containers containers tend to dry out a bit quicker so, so then certainly water about twice a week and obviously we do need to be water wise as far as possible and the mulch also does assist with that if you have a good mulch over the top um, once you have irrigated the, the bulbs soil will its moisture for, for for much longer
0: Melanie okay so Michael what have you got I know that we, we're very lucky we have lots and lots of bulbs in our gardens we put them in we leave them in Michael, do you drag yours out? Do you, do you leave them in the ground? And and what are you about to put in if you are?
2: Oh, no, no, I never take them out. I, I think Charles told us it, <laughs> quite a long time ago, Charles, that it doesn't matter, just leave them in there, which I do. And, you know, they, they come up every year and I, I have surprises every year or every second year. I don't see them the year before and suddenly they're back again. Um, I think I've got some snowdrops coming up, Charles. I don't know if that's supposed to be there. but uh, Beautiful.
0: One of my favorites? Oh, my, my are out as well, yes. I was walking through the garden the other day and thought, isn't this a bit early? Why are, they, why are they popping their heads out already? Making us happy, Melanie.: that, that's a, yeah. <laughs> the, the,
2: one, the one thing Charles is that I always have to think about is, with the increasing number of people now looking at containers and looking at balconies and looking at patios, we know that this is happening, but it does change the dynamic a little bit in terms of containers behave differently, whether they you know a container can get colder, a container can also get hotter. A container can also be manipulated to get more light or less light. So, so it's very obvious that people are going to have to, basically, consider, I guess, you know, how to plant the bulbs and how to look after them if if they're purely in containers or if they're purely on patios, for instance.
1: Certainly, Mike, I absolutely agree with that. I think one of the biggest for for winter bulbs, anyway, one of the biggest risks is exactly as you say, the pot heating up too much. So there's a few things that you can do to help prevent against that and I, any pot that's movable with winter bulbs in I like to start behind the house on the southern side of the house um, complete darkness is even fine so, so you can put the pot once the bulbs are, are planted in it and you put a mulch over the top you can transfer the pot into a garage into a dark cold space and the, for the first few weeks the bulbs are concentrating on setting down their roots to ensure that they will have enough moisture through the, through the active period once that is done, then the bulb starts to put the sprouts out and the leaves as well. As the buds and the leaves start to come out of the soil, um, they'll obviously be a bit yellowish in the lack of, of light at that stage. But that's the time at which the pots will be brought around and given, preferably morning sun and shielded from the, from the midday or the afternoon sun. And one of the ways that I like to do that is to crowd my pots, particularly the more sensitive winter bulbs, the ones that really like cold temperatures to the back of the arrangement and at the front. Of the group um, I'll typically put something that can tolerate um, more intense hot temperatures like aloes, succulents and, and things like that and then of course, regular watering does also help to, to cool the soil temperature down. Typically in this country, the cold temperatures that we get are not too cold to bother any of the winter bulbs.
0: but it's an interesting thing what you said about the the whole plant um, indoor plant thing that's happening at the moment there's definitely a lot more people plant parenting and it's the millennials and the younger generation that are kind of getting into that and, and being really influenced by the i hate to say it influencers on social media have you seen that the bulbs are actually increasing in sales from that point of view the ones that you would grow indoors Now that they're suddenly realizing it's not just about having green plants all over your house indoors. And which bulbs would be the best for people to be able to grow inside?
1: We've seen it also in our sales of ready potted bulbs, which is obviously a line for us that's been increasing over the last few years. We sell things like daffodils and hyacinths in pots ready to flower at this time of year. And the sales on that have picked up tremendously, um, obviously because those can just be put directly into the home. And and with very little care, they'll, they'll be in flower within a few days. Um, you can do that at home as well by taking the pot into your home only once the plant is in bud. They typically prefer to be outside, more ventilation, uh, a little more light, um, and just better conditions. But you can certainly enjoy them in flower inside your home. And then obviously once they're finished flowering, put them back outside again, let them enjoy the rest of winter. And it's, it's that time when they bulk themselves up for the next season and perhaps make some um, some baby bulbs too. Um, we're also seeing at Melanie in our in our range of bulbs, kind of bulbs that, you know, I always say all bulbs do well in pots. It's only the size of the pot that matters. So something like a, a crinum or a bupo and needs an unbelievably large pot. But many other bulbs, like some of those European favorites, daffodils, tulips, um, they do well even in small pots. And typically, all of the corms, like the freesias and the Spiraxis, those indigenous corms from the Western Cape, they also do well in pots. The trick there is, is to have the pots quite deep, about 15 to 20 centimeters, preferably, that the, the root system can get down quite far and, and establish itself well. And, and really, you can be very creative in pots. Um, another thing that you can do in pots is to use different kinds of bulbs and overlayer them in different levels. So start with your larger bulbs slightly deeper down, maybe about six or seven centimeters below soil surface, and then have another layer of bulbs above that, maybe um, Ipion, the spring star flower or muscari the grape hyacinth over the top and in that way you get a very full effect in the container and you also get a much longer flowering time and you can add to that by putting annuals or bedding plants um, over the top
0: okay so that's all about layering one thing people don't understand a lot of the time even though we say gardening 101 look at the back of the packet it tells you exactly what to do right they don't look at how tall these things can get so people might go and put some daffodil bulbs (laughs) into a pot, which is about maybe 10 centimeters big, these things get 30 centimeters tall. The whole thing is going to fall over. So how do we change people's perception of what they should be planting the bulbs into?
1: Hmm, That is a good question, Melanie. Maybe that's something we could also perhaps in the future explain better on the packets is, is minimum depth of a pot. I think one of the easiest ways of considering it is, is to look at the size of the bulb. The bulb size typically does indicate to you how deep its roots are going to go. So the smaller bulbs, normally smaller pots, bigger bulbs, bigger pots. One exception that I can think of is, is but this is obviously more of a summer bulb, is the Amaryllis, the, the Hippiastrum. And although they make impressively large bulbs, you can actually still put them into some regular sort of 12 centimeter pots, um, and, mm. and they, they, their root systems don't mind as much and bulbs are actually very adaptable in that way as well. If you do get it a bit wrong and, and the pot is a bit shallow, they adapt and they still flower. And the fundamental thing is that they have enough moisture. So if the pot is a bit small, and I've planted in some very small pots in the past and still had good results, but the trick to it is is just to increase the frequency of the watering. Um, in a small pot, particularly in a pot which can dry out quite easily, then obviously if you just step the watering up to every two days, provided there is a little hole at the bottom of the pot, just for no excess moisture buildup. up, if you water every two days, then, then you're counteracting the problems of the small pots as well. And we, we even plant our hyacinths, some big-sized hyacinths, into really tiny nine-centimeter pots that are quite shallow, and the roots get really bunched up and, and really fill out the entire pot. But if you, if you pull it out the pot, all you see is roots, provided you're watering them regularly they pull flower perfectly.
0: Yeah, but you don't want to drown your plant either, because we have to remember, of course, that r- they, the plants breathe through their roots, not through their leaves. As I think, we, I'm convinced we were taught that at school, that they breathe through their leaves. But I mean, Michael, I know that um, you and I both got those wonderful kind of oblong pots with what were the bulbs that were in there? It Was a lilyum, wasn't it? I think they were hyacinths. Oh, it was a hyacinth. Yes, hyacinths. I took them out and they've actually, the leaves are starting to come through and they're not even in soil. So can you grow bulbs not in soil?
1: Absolutely. And again, it, it goes back to that their main stimulus to start growing is temperature. So summer bulbs are triggered by warmer temperatures to start the rooting, to start the sprouting as well. And, and winter bulbs are, are stimulated by cold temperatures. So many of the cut flower growers in, in Europe nowadays put their tulips on a hydroponic system and, and they apply cold temperatures and the tulips send down their roots in, into a water-based system. And it's very simple to do this at home with many of the bulbs, too. Hyacinths are one of the best winter examples to do it with. Tulips respond quite well, too. But, and this goes back to what you were saying as well, Melanie, the bulb itself does not like to be continually moist. The roots must always have moisture. They must never dry out, but the bulb itself should be, should be able to dry back every few days. So the trick to doing any bulb hydroponically at home is to place the bulb free of the water. Even the base must not touch the the surface of the water. And once the winter bulb feels cool temperatures, it'll send its root system down and find the water. So normally if, if I put something like a hyacinth on pebbles, I'll put the water, the surface of the water about one centimeter below the base of the bulb and, and I'll put that whole arrangement somewhere really cold. We we have it particularly with our amaryllis, sad to say, but sometimes we'll, we'll forget some bulbs lying around the warehouse and, and they're Pretty round, so they roll around sometimes and go behind a behind a cupboard or behind a door. And after a few weeks, once the air temperature warms up, they they flower.
0: (laughs) Just flowering in the middle of nowhere.
1: (laughs) Exactly. So, so bulbs are are very keen to flower, very desperate to flower on time too. They they try and time themselves according to the temperatures they feel. But obviously, to maximise success and ensure that you're getting the best out of them, the water is the most important component. And if you want to keep them for future seasons, the hydroponic idea is not so good Um, that's more just for this season but obviously good soil and good nutrition particularly after flowering time fundamental to getting your bulbs to flower again next season and also to make the um, the baby bulblets or the baby cormlets that they generate
0: yes (laughs) i can see michael's listening to this and thinking I'm going to incorporate this into my teaching methods with the, the people that I'm teaching online at the moment, aren't you, Mike?
2: Well, yeah, you know, we, we've we just done, funnily enough, we we talk about all this hydroponic and whatnot. And, and as you know, Melanie, I don't know, Charles, if you've seen the latest show gardens, but, but we actually did a DIY hydroponic system for the first time in show gardens. And it, 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 was, it was a crazy learning curve. The weird thing is with this COVID coming on and whatnot, and I think we need to visit this, is where are we going? And one of the things I researched a lot lately because it came up in a documentary was the thing about vertical farms. Um, and these vertical farms are all, it's crazy. I mean, they're building tower blocks, <laughs> you know, in, in places in the world. And, and these are all hydroponically driven. And I know it's farms and whatnot, but it does have a definite resonance, I think, with us as gardeners and landscapers in terms of where can this go to? And I, I firmly don't believe it has to be hydroponically based. I think we can have Vertical farms that are have other media as long as they lightweight media. So I just think that we need to just realise that maybe the world is changing, maybe the paradigms are going to shift, and and maybe we all all need to be conscious of it and take the lead, perhaps, um, in advising people. You know, this is what's going to happen. Space is getting less, and it's it's going to be even you know, more critical going forward. And I certainly think people are going to become a lot more insular, maybe, in the way that they actually look after themselves. So I, I don't know um, you know, where it's gonna to go to Mel and Charles. Um but all I'm saying is having now done a lot of research and reading on the subject, it's sort of becoming Melanie as Guerrilla Gardening to us once became mm. a pet thing of mine that I'm saying, well if this is the way we're going, surely as, as industry leaders, which we hope we are, um we we should be looking into these possibilities.
0: I couldn't agree with you more on that one, I have to be honest. Been interesting as well, looking at you know, online newspapers and magazines and things. And it is really sad. I mean, how bad is this? So many magazines have closed down as well. We're just going to have to be a little bit more thoughtful about how we get the message out. And I think, of course, putting it out in the way that we're doing at the moment, sure, we're not doing it visually, but we can always add pictures to whatever we, we put out, is that people are looking at... Instead of us, as you said, Michael, going out and guerrilla gardening, where we're taking gardening into the world, we're having to do it at home now. We're bringing it inside. Yeah. People have suddenly become like a bit worried about their food security. People that are asking, how do I set this up? Before the lockdown, Charles, we were chatting and I was saying, right, when, when are you bringing turmeric out? When are you bringing those kind of other food? plants that come from corms and bulbs, what are there available? And I mean, have you started doing turmeric and ginger?
1: So some of the crops that we do, we actually outsource the production, particularly um, when it's something other people have already got the expertise and already got the infrastructure. So ginger and the turmeric, both, um, we have been in contact with some very good growers. And I think partly because of this COVID problem, it's been a bit delayed, but we are certainly in the next few months, going to introduce both of them. And we've got our eyes on a few other things too.
0: Oh, like what? Tell us, tell us. What have you got an eye on? The small secret.
1: I'll, I'll start with what we have at the moment. So we've got asparagus, which for me is one of the most exciting. And you can, we actually, we, we start sending them out to the, to the garden centers and the retailers now. And you can put them in the ground now, but they obviously only sprout in September time. And these are crowns, not, not seed. they become ready to produce um, edible spears a few from the second season, but certainly a lot from the third season, and very good production. Um, and also for planting now, we have the onion, potatoes, which I, I plant my potatoes year-round, with varying results. Potatoes are certainly for me one of the most rewarding tubers to grow at home. <laughs> and Beni shaking your head at me. We'll have to <laughs> talk about what went wrong there. They're, they're, they're bulletproof. They're normally very, very easy. So our plan over the coming years, and Mike, I, I'm sure you'll you'll agree with the importance of this we, we want to really get into anything that we can and and we do tend to blur the the lines of what is a bulb i mean many of the bulbs that we've been talking about today are actually tubers or corns or rhizomes or roots and so anything edible that falls into those categories like the, the ginger and the turmeric we have our sights on and we would love to introduce i think down the line we might even blur the definition of bulb beyond that as well because i, I i'm in absolute agreement with you mike and melanie that the future is it's certainly moving far more towards growing our own produce at home.
0: Yeah. Michael loves his
2: veggie garden. What have you got going in there at the moment? Oh, not a hell of a lot, Melanie. I, you know, a funny thing I found with COVID is all this time I've had to spend at home, um, I've done less. It sounds really counterintuitive, but that's just the way it's been. It's almost like I've been distracted by too many small things and not really got any big things moving. And and I, I know a lot of people I've spoken to feel that way. But yeah, n- nothing much. Nothing much happening outdoors, but, but I must tell you, just in terms of indoors is uh, there's a whole new science around lighting and, and getting light to plants and whatnot, which is also coming down the road. So that's also going to change the way we give advice and the way we think in terms of saying, well, you know, if you've got this kind of thing, you can't grow it. And they're saying, well, you know, I have a sophisticated artificial light system going on. <laughs> yeah. Which what it does, it changes the way we look at things. So yeah. Techno speaker,
0: it's going mad. So, Charles, at the moment when people are looking at the grim days of winter coming ahead and the end of lockdown, hopefully in the not too distant future, but then still the uncertainty of whether we're all going to get hammered by this at the end of the day, what brightness can we bring into people's lives? What are the ones that you would say get out and buy now, put them in the ground? I mean, we, we've talked about the daffodils, Yay. talked about the effions, which I love, and I can't wait for them to come out. I mean, the little blue stars which ones would you say are going to be, in your view, the best performers indoors and outdoors for this year?
1: Oh, there's so many showstoppers, Melanie. And and, and the, the beautiful thing about this is, this is about hope as well. We're, we're planting now that we have a beautiful show of flowers through August, September, October. So for me, I, I have been planting quite a lot the last few weeks. A lot of it is just to give myself hope and also to show my kids that we need to invest in the future and think ahead a little bit. But for me, at the moment, to plant the bearded irises are, are wonderful outdoors. The ipion, the spring star flower, super indoors, super outdoors. And it has foliage in my garden and in many others for most of the year. And a very long display of, of very small flowers that are suited to the border. Miscari. then there's the entire indigenous range of corms, which is Frisias, Firaxis, Watsonias, are gorgeous and, and bounce back every year beautifully. The small babiana, which is also good at the border there's just so many options and it also comes down to your color preference i mean I, I know many gardeners who will look at the bulbs and not really care about the height or the or the shape of the flowers so much but it's all, all about the colors they can put into their garden so i think it's a deeply personal thing as well mm. for me one of the best parts about winter bulbs is is that aspect that they start to the flower before the winter is even over and it's, it's just that that reminder that the summer is coming and on the high salt the rains are coming and even about the change.
0: I like the purples and yellows together because I just think that they're bright and beautiful. I'm sure, as you said, everybody has their own decision on colour schemes. Um Michael, of course, will just go for all the pinks because he loves pinks and he's sexy. out
2: my mouth, Melanie.
0: I really do think what you said there is amazing. It is. Every single bulb is a little bit of hope, and you've got to nurture that hope whether it comes to being a plant or coming to being ourselves and to be good to the bulb as we would to ourselves as well. If you need any more information, of course, uh, don't forget to get on to hideko.co.za. Everything's there. You can order online if you can't get into a garden centre or if you are still self-isolating. Um, are you doing deliveries,
1: Charles? We, we are. We're allowed to under Level 4 and we are doing deliveries now. This is super. So people can, can get out into their gardens and get some hope and get some... Uh,
0: bitmandy as well yeah absolutely sunshine especially in johannesburg is the best place to be outside all right well um, i miss you guys i can't wait to actually see you in the flesh at some stage again it would be fantastic don't give up hope (laughs) keep going let's keep the green thing going and get more people over to our way of thinking as well charles thank you so much thank
2: you melanie and thank you mike thank you so much always a pleasure
0: don't forget You can join us again. We'll be bringing you more interesting hints and tips on what to do in your garden with uh, dear Michael. So don't miss out on this. Get out there, get growing, and get going. We'll catch you again next time. Bye-bye. You've been listening to another episode of Grounded from Solid Gold Studios in Johannesburg. For more green ideas and events, pop along to Mel's Treasures on Facebook.